I'm going to ask again. I ask it in the dark, and I couldn't see. I could hear it for you of you, but I'm going to ask this again. How many of you have experienced pain and suffering in your life? All right, that's, that's all of us. How many of you are currently, if you, if you don't mind sharing, how many of you are currently in the midst of some pretty severe pain and suffering? Yes. Um, so when we experience pain and suffering, it's really important that we correctly identify the source of our pain. And there's four options for your pain. And we're going to talk about these over the next few weeks. The first one um, is the fallen world in which we live. Adam and Eve sinned. And so... Um, Make sure everybody sees this. Adam and Eve sinned, and so the source of your pain and suffering could be just the fact that there's sin in the world. Sin entered the world. It has been spiraling out of control ever since the first sin happened. Uh, sickness, death, pain, suffering all starts because we're in, in a fallen world. Now, there's another possibility and another source, which is called spiritual attack. We spent a whole four weeks on this. Um, There is an enemy of God who wants to defeat you. God has a plan for your life. The enemy of God has a plan for your life. And so we have to choose which one we're going to follow, the enemy of God or, or God's plan. There's two different plans, a competing plan. And so we have to acknowledge that sometimes our pain comes because there's a spiritual attack. There's another one. Others sin. Sometimes people just sin. It's not a mistake. It's not um, an indiscretion. It's not an oops. It's a, I choose to sin, and my sin is going to screw you up, and I don't care. Sometimes our, our, our pain comes from others. And then we got to be real honest. Sometimes our pain comes from our own choices to sin. Where's the bucket? Again, it's not a mistake. It's I have messed up. I have chosen to sin. So if you don't properly identify where your the source of your pain comes from, you're not going to respond correctly because each source of pain requires a different response. Janie and I have talked about this many times. There, there are people in our life that if you spend any time with them, you'll find out that they're stuck. Something traumatic happened to them when they were 12 8, 15, 16, 20, and they may be 50, 60, 70 years old, but when you spend any amount of time with them, you realize they're stuck. They're still emotionally a teenager or a pre-teenager because they got stuck in their pain and they never got out of their pain and they lived their entire lives based on that source of pain. They never got out of it. In this series, we're going to talk about how to get out of it. Uh, we want to get unstuck. We, we, The reason counseling has exploded in the United States is because people are stuck in their past. And there's nothing wrong with counseling. Janie and I have been to counseling. Um, we, We encourage counseling. You need to talk to somebody. We have Celebrate Recovery because because it's a Christ-centered 12-step program to help you heal from your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And and I I don't know if you know this, but everybody has hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I'm gonna say it until I die. Everybody in this church should go through some form of celebrate recovery because you all have hurts, habits, and hangups that you have not dealt with in a proper way, and so you're stuck in your past. So today, we're going to focus in on the first of these, the fallen world, and, and how you deal with that. We're going to open up the scripture. We're going to look at a very familiar story. In fact, about a year and a half ago, we looked at this story um, when we were in the in the bystander series, but um, I'm kind of guessing that you don't remember that sermon from 18 months ago, besides most of this is different anyway, but here we go. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. 
Now, this is kind of cool. So John is an older guy. This is probably the last of the four, four Gospels. John is looking back over his life, and he's remembering this story, and he's writing it down for us. And then he puts in this parenthesis because he wants you not to miss who this is. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. The reason he tells you this is because you don't get to this story until John chapter 12. But we're, here we are in John 11. So he says, there's this guy named Lazarus. He's sick. He lives in Bethany. Bethany's only two miles from Jerusalem. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. I think this is awesome. The, he, they don't even have to say his name. The one you love is sick, and he knew he was talking about Lazarus. They were talking about Lazarus. And now, Lazarus is sick, but this is not a spiritual attack. This is not because of someone else's sin. It's not because of Lazarus' sin. If there's four options for the source of his pain, what is the only option left? Thank you. Y'all are so smart. I knew I wouldn't have to put it on the screen or lift it up. You would have gotten that. We're not talking about allergies. We're not talking about the common cold. We're talking about a sickness that is going to lead to his physical death. If you have a serious illness and you know Jesus loves you, what do you do? You tell Jesus, right? So they sent word to Jesus. Now look what happens. When he, Jesus, heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Well, that's awesome. Cool. And, and I put my parentheses. This is my parentheses coming in here. If you're in Christ Jesus, not even death can kill you. Now, Death may kill you physically, but if you're in Christ Jesus, we know that we're going to live. And, and we said this in our men's group, group this morning, you know, there are people who've died and gone on before us. They're more alive now than they ever were in this life. If you're in Jesus Christ, not even death will kill you. So look what he says. He continues, verse 4. No, it is for God's what? I'm going to hammer this until I die. Every story in the Bible is for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. Every worship service we have is for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. Every time we go be the church, every time we have men's ministry, women's ministry, any type of small group, it is for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. That means it's not about you or me. It's about him. If it ever becomes about you and me, we, we're following the evil one and not our heavenly father. It is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus, what was this word I highlighted? Love. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. You need to write this down. Jesus loved them, so he waited. It is because he loved them that he waited. There's a myth in some churches that if you are a fully devoted follower of Christ, no overwhelming pain is ever going to come into your life. There's a Greek term for that. It's baloney. Actually, it's worse than that. It's manure. It's a big, fat pile of manure. Okay, I think you get the Greek word. If someone says a believer cannot get, in, get sick and suffer, they are wrong, flat out wrong. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have trouble. If you say that a Christ follower cannot have trouble, you're calling Jesus a liar. No offense. Actually, be offended. You're an idiot. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have what? But then he said, take heart. This is where I get emotional. I've overcome the world. So nothing, nothing that happens to me or my family, nothing that happens to this church is outside the love of God. And even death cannot kill you. 
I don't think believers live like they believe that. Would you agree with me? Because if we did, there wouldn't be room in this worship center. There would be no empty seats because people would want to know about this God that we say we follow. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the, the world. Lazarus' sickness was not a punishment. It was not because of anybody's sin. It was for the glory of God. It had a spiritual purpose. And by the way, all four of these sources of pain, when you're in Christ, they can have a spiritual purpose because the same power that raised Christ from the dead can heal you from your hurts, habits, and hang-ups and use you to reach someone else who's in the same pit of despair that you've come through. We did a whole series, um, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago, called In the Meantime. The world started out perfect. Sin and, and, and um, bad choices entered into the world, and the world's been spiraling out of control since then. In the end, it'll be perfect. So it started perfect. We know from Revelation that it's going to end up perfect, but in the meantime, we will have trouble. And, and I think that if you're following Christ, you're going to have even more trouble. See, the, the reason God doesn't separate Christians from non-Christians in the trouble category is because God wants to see how, show how Christians under the authority and the power of God can make it through. Not only surviving, they can thrive. And you think about the testimonies that have impacted your life. It's someone who has thrived and they've gone through the valley of the shadow of death because Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never leave forsake you. Disease, famine, plague, sickness, crime, all of this exists because of sin. Sin is the root problem, and the only real solution is Jesus Christ. Now, here is the problem. God created us with freedom to receive him or reject him, and with that freedom means there's going to be people who reject him. If you reject him in this life, you violate his will, and you will hurt people. And if you reject him in this life, when you go to meet him in the next life, because the Bible says everybody will meet him, he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. Hell was not created. Uh, people aren't sent to hell. People choose hell when they reject Jesus. Hell wasn't even created for people. It was created for Satan and his demons. And if you follow Satan and his demons, you're going to end up where they end up, which is hell. Now, let me give you a couple of truth bombs today. Truth bomb number one, God sometimes intervenes to prevent you from being killed or from being sick or from being hurt. We don't even know the number of times. I bet you could come up with some. I told you about one time Janie and I were driving to Dallas and, and we're just talking, having a good old time, and the 18-wheeler comes over and there is no way I should have avoided a wreck. Somehow, by the grace of God, I avoided a wreck and I looked at Jesus, I looked at Jesus, looked at Janie. Sometimes this is the same person. I looked at Janie, and then I got mad at the dude, and I was going to whip his butt in the name of Christ. I was not really in the name of Christ. I was mad because he wouldn't even look at me. He knew he'd done wrong. I pulled up next to him. I was ready to tell him about Christ. And then I calmed down, and I said, thank you, Jesus, for protecting me because I shouldn't have gotten out of that. I mean, there was, there was the, you know, the temporary wall, the concrete wall, and then this, and there was no place to go. And by the grace of God, we didn't get smashed. I bet you have all kinds of stories like that too where God has protected us. But there's times we don't even know that he's protected us. God sometimes, sometimes is the key word, intervenes to prevent. But God always intervenes to produce. That means he has a long-term and eternal time frame for you. And he wants to produce something in you that lasts forever. Now, isn't it true if we were in charge, we would never suffer. We would always choose 
Unicorns and daisies, I don't know. Rainbows, I don't know. We would choose all this happiness. God wants to produce eternal things because, let me just say it this way. If God has to choose between your happiness and your holiness, which one will God choose every time? Holiness. You want to know why? Happiness depends on your circumstances. Happiness, you're not taking to heaven. Holiness is character, and you will take that to heaven. He's always looking to make you holy. And he may have to bring you to the point of death for you to wake up and say, I choose you. And some of you, the sad thing is, he's going to have to bring you to the point of death over and over and over for you to finally wake up and say, I'm going to bow to you. You are Lord. You're in charge of my life. When was the last time that you admitted that you had no power to change your life? When's the last time? Because that's what Mary and Martha did. They said, we can't change this, God, but you can. Jesus, you can. And, and I found this, and I just thought I would throw this up there. This is a 12 steps. This is 12 steps simplified. I thought this was brilliant. I can't, God can, let God. I'm just going to stop there. When's the last time you admitted you are powerless to change your habits? If willpower alone could do it, you would have already changed. You need supernatural power. I can't do it. God can. You got to let God do it. And then all those other steps, it's pretty awesome. This is the 12 steps of A-A-N-A-C-R, and it's just simplified. I can't. God can. Let him do it. Now, two days pass, and then Jesus says to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And they start instructing the Son of God on how he should conduct his life. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And you're going back. So Jesus ticked some people off. They tried to stone him. Did they stone him at that time? No, it was not his time. So he just walks right through the crowd. There's several times they should have known this. It was not his time. And he's going to go back and he's going he's to risk his life for Lazarus. And so they're like, how about you not go? Or how about you go without us? Jesus willingly put himself in harm's way to resurrect Lazarus. And this is a foreshadowing of what Jesus is about to do for the entire world. Because he willingly went through this. Put up that picture of the cross if you would. That's what he did. He stepped into your sin and my sin and he said, I'll take this so that you might have the possibility of heaven. And you got to ask why. Bible gives us very clear instructions on why. First, and this is, I've said this before, I'm going to keep repeating it. Jesus willingly entered into our suffering so that we might be set free from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, and then when we die, from the very presence of sin. That astounds me. And when I contemplate that, and I start singing about the goodness of God, I get overwhelmed that he would do that for me. Now, this is, this is I, I try to point out all the time the, the major differences between Christianity and every other world religion. Every other major religion says you need to suffer in order to get to God. And in fact, it's why some of those religions aren't very nice to people who are poor because they're just going through their penance and they need to reincarnate as something else so that they can go further. Christianity is the one that says, oh, no, no. 
Jesus did this for us. God was willing to go through suffering for you. It's different than any other world religion. Study them. And some of you have rejected Jesus your whole life, but he's still choosing to chase you. He's pursuing you. And that's why you're here today. You don't even know it. He's knocking on the door of your heart once more. He's knocked before and you know it. And you've not opened up the door. What's it going to take? 700 years before Jesus was born. This is another difference in Christianity from all other religions. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah said these words in Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he, talking about Jesus, he took up. He did what? And look what he took up, our pain and our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. 700 years before Jesus walked the earth, Isaiah said, there's a Messiah coming who's going to take up your pain and suffering if you'll let him. Now, we get to this point in the story with Lazarus, and and this is another reason you know Christianity is true, because nobody would make up this next part, because it just does not even make sense. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. And I think they're going, what? Daylight darkness, we're going to die. That's what I think they're saying. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And so I think what Jesus is saying, he's saying, stay here and stumble around in darkness. He's already told them, I'm the light of the world. Wherever I am, you're in the light. You have an opportunity to follow me and change the world, or you can stay here in darkness. And that's the same thing he's telling us today. You have an opportunity to follow him, to do something to bring light into a dark world, or you can continue to stay in the darkness and stumble around and have no purpose in life. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And they're like, If he sleeps, he'll get better. Shouldn't he sleep when he's sick? Why are you going to wake him up? Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. He did not say he's glad he's dead. He said, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may what? Sometimes you're going to have to go through the valley of the shadow of death within an inch of your death or someone you love for you to believe that God has power. And if he has to choose for you to go through that so that you will believe, he will let you go through that. So that you may believe. But let us go to him. (laughs) Thomas. I love Thomas and some of us are Thomas. Also known as Didymus. Didymus just means twin. We don't know who his twin was said to the rest of them, let us go that we may die with him. We're all going to die. Might as well go die now. I think Jesus was talking about 12 hours of opportunity. You're in the physical presence of the light of the world. And if he says, and if you stay in one place out of fear, you're going to miss the opportunity of a lifetime. You have limited opportunity to shine the light of Jesus. And so our t-shirt says, get up, let's go. It's what we did a couple of weeks ago when we went out to uh, the campus. It's what we're going to do. Some of us are going to get up and we're going to go to Lake Charles right before Christmas. Some of us are going to do that. Now, I'm not trying to guilt anyone. In fact, if you feel guilty about it, don't go because you'll be a punk. And I just don't have time for whiners and punks on mission trips, right? (laughs) And I'll tell you that in the name of Jesus. But some of you have not even asked God if you should go. 
Ah, it's inconvenient. You know, we're going to stream the worship service. Actually, I hadn't talked to Keith about this. So pertaining to our IT guy, we're going to stream their service back here that day. And I hope you'll fill the, the place because we had such an incredible worship time with them back in the summer. You can talk to anybody who went. They can, they can remember the sermon. They can remember the music. There was also a welcome song, and they keep telling Rachel she needs to write a welcome song for new life because Mount Olive Baptist Church, they say something about Mount Olive Baptist Church welcomes you. I don't remember what it said, but it was like, that was so cool. Some of you need to say, God, am I supposed to go? And some of you aren't asking that because you already know the answer. You've already decided to be disobedient. Again, if you feel guilty, that's not, my, that's not my motivation. My motivation is for the Holy Spirit to jump into your heart and ignite a fire in you to do something while you have an opportunity. Because how many of you are guaranteed to be here next year, next Christmas? We're not even guaranteed to be here this Christmas. Let's use the opportunities that we have and let's make a difference for Christ. Jesus was about to change the way that people look at life and death forever. <laughs> He says, stay here in fear, stay anywhere in fear, refuse to follow light. You'll stumble around in a world that has no meaning and no purpose and nothing for you to look forward to. Your world will make no sense. And here's why. Apart from the author of life, Jesus, you'll never understand life. Some of you keep getting on the same treadmill, keep doing the same mistakes over and over and over. And when that treadmill stops and you step off, you're exactly where you got on. It's because you've never surrendered to the author of life. Now, the disciples really didn't want to go, and they started giving Jesus medical advice, right? You've given him medical advice, right? God, you need to do this now. (laughs) You tell the God of all creation how to do his job. Um, God, do you know why this story is in the Bible? For my sake, for your sake. I wanted you to write the words my for, because I want you to personalize this. It's for the sake of every parent who's ever buried a child. For the sake of every husband who's ever buried a wife or for the sake of every child who's buried a parent way too young. For the sake of every friend who's buried a friend or a friend who's buried the child of a friend. That's why this story is in in the Bible to show us, to teach us. Now, meanwhile, back in Bethany, everyone knows that Jesus loves Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And everybody's going, where's Jesus? Where'd he go? Why he not here? I don't know. Jesus didn't rush to heal him. Now, now by this point, he's already healed someone from a distance of 38 miles. You remember when we did the bystander series and he healed the nobleman's? He just said, your son is well. And from the moment he said it, his son was well. Jesus didn't speak the words to heal his friend that he loved. He didn't make it for the funeral. He didn't make it for the graveside service. There was no text message. There was no um, Facebook or, or social media tribute to his good friend Lazarus. There's nothing. Where is Jesus? Have you ever asked that question? Where are you? I've heard enough, Jesus. Where are you? Jesus waited so long that it was embarrassing. And look what happens in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the grave, in the tomb for how many days? This is significant because four days is when decomposition happens to the body. 
right? We're not talking rigor mortis. Rigor mortis is the stiffness. No, no, no. This is decomposition. And in fact, in the right conditions, there could be so much decomposition, you wouldn't even recognize the body anymore at four days. This is embarrassing. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem where they wanted to kill him. God is a God of details. He tells you it's only two miles from where people want to kill him. He tells you that Lazarus has been in the, in the tomb four days because he's deader than dead. If you watch the princess bride, oh, no, he's only mostly dead. Not Lazarus. He was deader than dead. Oh, you know so much. He's just mostly dead. Nope, he was deader than dead. Now, Martha runs out to him and says, Lord, if you or if only... If only you'd done this, if only you'd done this, if only, if only, if only, if only. You do that to God when you pray. If, only, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now she assumes that he's given her the preacher answer. Have you ever seen somebody that's hurt and you know a really good verse and you give them the verse and, and they're like, I don't need that right now. I need my, my family member healed or I need them resurrected or whatever. And you're like, don't give me that Sunday school answer. Martha said, now here's what's funny, because Martha gives him the Sunday school answer. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. I was listening. Jesus said to her, I am. And this is one of the I am statements of Jesus. There's at least seven of them in the New Testament where he is identifying with, remember when Moses said, suppose the, the people of Israel asked me, who sent you? What is your name? And he said, I am. Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection life. It's not some category. It's not some lame sermon. I am resurrection personified. And look what he says. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. If you're in Jesus, even death can't stop you. And whoever believes by uh, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. This whole section tells me that, that you have permission to tell God exactly how you feel. And it also shows me that bad things happen to good people, even followers, even friends of Jesus. Now, i got a couple of questions for you. Mary and Martha had to feel abandoned, so what they do? They told Jesus. My question is, what do you do when you feel abandoned by God? Some of you look for relief. That's the next slide. Yeah, some of you look for relief, whether it's sex, drugs, alcohol, dating, marriage, friendship, job, kids, sports. You look for all of these things, and the irony is they may give you just a little bit of relief, but it's like digging a deeper grave. You're in the grave. Let's make this grave deeper because when you figure out that they don't give you eternal meaning and significance, you're going to be further away from God than when you started. Let me just dig this grave a little deeper and have sex with whoever or drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. Makes no sense. We're looking for relief. What Jesus wants to bring us is resurrection. But he will not force resurrection on you. He's a loving father. And it breaks his heart when you don't choose resurrection. But he's not going to force it on you. Because then it wouldn't be love on your part. That's why when you die and you stand before God, it's too late to make a choice. Because then everybody's going to choose heaven. Your soul has to be resurrected and given life before you die if you want to spend eternity in heaven. Let me tell you this. You can have all the right answers and still be in the grave. You may have gone through confirmation in whatever church you went to 
and you can still be in the grave. You may have been baptized and still be in the grave. You can go to church, and the reason church, <laughs> church doesn't equal resurrection. Church, or religion, I should say, doesn't equal resurrection. Religion equals exhaustion. And it's why the people, the, the Israelites missed God because they were too busy with the rules and regulations. They missed the relationship with the Savior. Mary shows up at this point. She has a similar uh, discussion with Jesus. And then he asks, where have you laid him? And Jesus arrives outside the tomb knowing what he's about to do. And he pauses and enters into the emotions of the moment. All the disciples there with him, they saw how much he cared, and it made a profound impact on their lives. And the shortest verse in the Bible tells us exactly how God views our pain and our suffering. John eleven thirty five 35 says, Jesus wept. He knows he's about to resurrect Lazarus, and he wept. Why? Because he saw what sin had done to the world, and, and I think in his in the image of his father, he said, this is not how it's supposed to be. Death, sin, destruction is not how we created the world. It's not how the world's going to be at the end. But in the meantime, it caused him to weep. And this is a defining moment when Jesus entered into the pain of somebody he loved. And he shows us he's fully human. And in verse 36, he says, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, These are the good Baptists. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? If he could have, he would have. Since he didn't, he couldn't. As it turns out, he could have, but he didn't. Why? Because he wanted to demonstrate that he was Lord even over death. John eleven thirty eight. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take the stone away, he said. But Martha said, but Lord, Martha said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor because he'd been in there how many days? Four days. Four days of when decomposition. Jesus, you don't know this, creator of the world, but my brother's going to stank. Jesus, you're late, dude. It's too late. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? They roll a stone away, and this is just how I think. I, don't, I can't prove this. But I think there was a massive crowd because he was two miles from Jerusalem. They roll a stone away. I you know everybody went. Because you don't know what's fitting to come out of there. You didn't have to talk to them about spiritual warfare. Demons were real to them, and I don't know if it was Halloween or not, but I think they stepped back. And I think it was dead silent. I don't think the birds were flying. I don't think the crickets were chirping. I think it was dead silent. And Jesus paused to pray, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may do what? Believe. That's the purpose. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And you know, he had to say Lazarus, because if he just said, come out, this is walking dead. They all coming out. Right? Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Unbind him. That's my, my parentheses, unbind him. See, Jesus worked the resurrection, but he wanted others involved in his restoration. This is why small groups and Celebrate Recovery have such power. 
when we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, the half-brother of Jesus says this in James chapter 5, we are healed. If you, want, if you want forgiveness of sins, you confess to God. If you want healing, you confess to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think when he said unbind him, I think everybody took another step back. I ain't touching him. I don't know what's under those strips. You see, a healed Lazarus would have been awesome, but a resurrected Lazarus was even better. We sing the song, death was arrested. This is, this is when Jesus showed that death was arrested and Lazarus had a new life. Don't you know Lazarus never feared death again? It's a good thing because right after this, if you read in the story, it says, well, let me read this to you. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and seen what, he, what Jesus did believed. Many, but not all. Because if you keep reading, it says that the religious leader said, well, now we got to kill Jesus and Lazarus. We can't let him keep doing this stuff because everybody's going to go to him. The Romans are going to come and take away our church, your dead church. Many of them believed. I bet they did. So let me finish with this. There are three types of people in the world. This is the coolest thing ever. Janie got this. We take this on our cruises. This is our nightlight. Because when you turn on a bathroom light on a cruise ship, it's like, whoa, you know, it lights up the world because um, you have to turn it on from the outside. So we have this. Anyway, okay. There's three types of people in the world. Three types. Number one is spiritual. And that would be a saved person. That would be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He also said that he will give us light. So this light represents a saved person. There's a second type of person, the natural person, the unsaved person. Oh, shoot. That's not going to come out. All right, let's just pretend that's not there. It's supposed to come out. I can't get it out. So this is no light. Let's say it this way. This would be if this bulb had no filament, nothing inside. It doesn't have the capability to shine until the Holy Spirit comes in and makes it news. Does this make sense? So, the natural unsaved person, no Holy Spirit. Saved person, Holy Spirit gives you light. Unsaved person, no light, no Holy Spirit. There's a third category, and it's called the carnal, the fleshly, immature Christian. Immature because he or she will not feed, will not feed on the Word of God and be taught by the Holy Spirit. So here it would be, it's covered I'm willfully immature, and I don't want anybody to see that I'm a Christ follower. This is a carnal Christian. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, no one lights a lamp and puts it underneath. No one covers it up. But this is the carnal Christian. And the world can't tell the difference whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. Ephesians 4.14 says this, then we will no longer be infants. And here's my parentheses, carnal Christians are infants by choice because I refuse to feed on the meat of the word of God and grow up spiritually. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. It is real clear in scripture that we can test the spirits to see whether they're from God. It is real clear what, what we are going to be about at New Life. Casey does this, I do this, everybody on the board does this. We're going to point you to Scripture. 
You come to us with a problem. We're going to say, what does God's word say? If God's word is silent, then we're going to let God's word be silent. We're going to say, well, this isn't scripture, but here's my opinion. If God's word says it clearly, we're going to say, don't you dare go against God's word. We're going to point you to scripture. Because there are too many willful infants in this world, spiritual infants that are keeping people from coming to Christ. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you may be tempted to make yourself out to be Mary or Martha in this story. I've got some serious problems that I need Jesus to take care of. But can I tell you, if you don't know Jesus, you're not Mary or Martha, you're Lazarus. You're dead. If you're a carnal Christian, you've chosen to get back in the grave. Let me just lay here a while, God. Whether you're spiritually dead or whether you're a carnal Christian, you need to hear this today. Jesus is calling you by name. Lazarus, come out. Whatever your name, he's calling you to come out of the grave and to live for him. He's calling you. He's rolled away the stone. You don't have to stay in there. The question is, are you going to answer his call? Oh, God, how I hope you do. Let's pray together. It's high time the people of God let their light shine in such a way that people see our good works and they glorify you, our heavenly Father. Teach us what that means, Lord. And fill this place with resurrected, light-reflecting, fully devoted followers of Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have a couple of baskets in the back. One is our joy basket. That's how we give here at New Life Community Church or online, nlccp.com. There's a giving tab, and you can follow the instructions there. We also have a registration card basket, and we want you to fill out those cards, even if you've been here before. If you have a prayer concern, put that on the back. If it's okay for me to share that with our prayer team, then, then say okay to share, whatever. If it's private, I will pray over that, and nobody else will, will hear about that. Um, remember that tonight, 5 o'clock, is our small group's kickoff. It's just fun tonight. Just going to play games. There's 42. There's going to be cornhole. I don't even know. Bring your favorite game. We'll make somebody play it. Um, <laughs> we're just going to have some fun tonight and eat some Mexican food, and, and I'll bring the Rolates. Um, stand up. Hug four people. Tell them you love them. You're dismissed. <laughs>